first time I can now look myself in the eye without feeling that deep, deep sigh.
Hey everybody, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> or need some worship. That's okay. God, thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings in our lives, especially this blessing of a life that you have given us. Give us the strength and the wisdom and resolve to do your will with it. You are a provider. And you are our Lord. And you worship you today. Amen. I feel the nations of the earth are shaking. There is no power that can match His grace. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes to see All of creation is waiting on you For sons and daughters to declare this truth Lift up your hand, lift up your voice and sing He is the light shining in the darkness He is the hope Oh, for all the nations, He is the light, He is the light for all the world to see. I feel the faith of Christ, the earth is rising, we prophesy about the kingdom come, just like heaven, all across the earth. All the creation is waiting and longing, all of creation is waiting. For sons and daughters to declare this truth Lift up your head, lift up your voice and sing He is a light shining in the darkness He is a hope, hope for all the nations He is a light, He is a light for all the world to see darkness, He is the hope over all the nations. He is alive, He is alive for all the world to see. Great, great is the Lord. Great 
Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch's treasure How great the pain of sin loss The Father turned His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory
Jesus' blood in righteousness. I did not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus. is built on nothing less in Jesus blood and righteousness I did not trust the sweetest thing the holy trust in Jesus Christ
this I stand before the everybody uh, see it finally got cold yay get to wear my sweater yay got for christmas well we don't have a lot of announcements today but it's uh, it's great to have you here the 2015 yes it's awesome new year um it's going to be a better year god is going to bless us and we're going to move forward we have his message to carry out there to the world you know uh, some of the results we've been getting back from the 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 survey we're looking we're still digging into it one of the things that you said you'd like to see the church do and one of the things that we said that as a staff that we know we needed to do better and that was to reach out and you know get with other churches to strengthen the body to to do things more like the Luis Palau festival we had that in that festival Fairbanks that was great but that was really one day. What are we doing the other 364 days of the year to strengthen the kingdom in this entire valley um, so that we're driving force? And uh, just last night, I know our guys went over there and hooked up with some other churches. Where was it at, guys? Radiant? Radiant Church. And they played and they worshiped and then that for that Pete Kelly thing. And, you know, the whole the, all these churches coming together to share their resources, you know, without acrimony and the sense of competition and and just doing it as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I just want to thank the guys for going and doing that last night. It was fantastic. And we're going to do more of that. We're going to keep reaching out to these other churches. We're going to be one body in Christ. We do have uh, just one quick announcement. And I, I, I just want to let you guys know that is it what is it 
Wednesday night, uh, they're going to have a, uh, a big thing here for the youth, and they're going to have the balls out here. If you haven't seen these balls, they're really cool. They're giant inflatable balls, and you get inside of them, and you ping pong. And you're adults. You guys are welcome to come, too. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you, they're, you know, we don't insure for broken hips and stuff, but you're welcome to come out. We'd love to have you. So, and what time does that start, Eric? Six. <laughs> he's so shy when he's back there. <laughs> Six o'clock, so that's up. Um, uh, don't forget meet and greet, of course, uh, afterwards if you're new to Friends Church um, at this time. It's time for kids to go to Kids Church. You guys skedaddle, go learn about Jesus. Uh, the rest of you, uh, shake each other's hands, pat each other on the back, grab some coffee. We'll be right back with more music.
We believe in the Holy Spirit that He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.
Amen. Thank you. Worship team, Josh. Good job, buddy. Um, before I forget, let's, uh, before I get into this, um, let's get the offering going. Can we do that? Um, Father, thank you, Lord, for all of, well, Lord, thank you that you are our total provision in this life. Thank you for all that you have entrusted to us. Thank you for the talents, the abilities you've given us, Lord. Um, Father, we just ask your blessing upon this offering and upon those who give this morning, Lord, let there be a, a blessing from you upon their economic life, upon the provision, and as it goes forth from their hands, Lord, to invest in your kingdom, Lord, let there be a return on that investment from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, this morning, I want to start a two-part uh, series. I guess you can call it a series if there's two parts. And um, we're going to be talking about the vision for Friends Church. Um, the first part will be how that vision uh, impacts us corporately as a whole. And second part uh, next week will be how... Uh, a vision, not only the vision that I'm going to describe, but the vision, whatever vision God gives you in your own personal individual life, and what a vision creates as a result, which is really a process within us. Um, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 3. Um, you can see it in the overhead there. It says there in Genesis 12, uh, Now the Lord said to Abram, and uh, let me start out by saying that uh, there's an interesting phenomena in the word, in the scriptures, um, in that when oftentimes when God would begin to really interact seriously with a person, there would be a name change. And we're going to find that in the scriptures that we're looking at this morning. So this man, Abram, as he walked with God, his, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, from exalted father to the meaning father of a multitude. And uh, we can see the beginning of that name change right here in these verses. So it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. <coughs> the thing about a vision is, a vision of this nature initiates change in your life. And the vision that I'm going to describe to you this morning is going to initiate change and has already initiated change. 
And so therefore, Abraham in this case is in in a period of transition. And maybe some of you are not aware of it, but most of you are. We are in a period of transition right now at Friends Church. And another aspect of this transition, this change, oftentimes, I would say most times, is a sense of discomfort. And you can imagine Abraham in this situation having to leave his country, his relatives, and his father's house, and go out to a place that God said, I will show you. And I can imagine Abraham talking to his neighbors, his friends, his his relatives, and he's saying, listen, uh, this uh, invisible God that none of you know uh, has informed me that uh, I need to leave. And, the, and you know, and, and all going, well, where are you going, man? What's, what's this all about? And he says, well, I really don't know where I'm going, but I have this amount from him that I need to leave uh, my family, my country, my relatives, everybody. And, and that's the nature of a vision. Oftentimes, it's not a complete thing. I mean, somebody might ask you, you know, God speaks to you about something. And, and even in the case of what I'm going to describe to you today, people have come to me as I've shared, you know, bits and pieces of this uh, with them. And they've really almost uh, said, Floyd, well, what about, what's the full picture? What is the ultimate end of all of this? And and the fact is, is that really we're in the initial stages, we're in a period of transition, and maybe we don't have all the answers. But what we do know, that we must obey and follow after God. So that's what I'm doing. And that's what we're doing here at Friends Church. So then it says, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. When the vision comes, it not only changes our circumstances and our relationships, but it also changes us on the inside. There's a change that happened in Abraham. And God says, I'm going to make you. You cannot make yourself. You cannot enter the vision And make yourself. In fact, you can't even fulfill the vision. You can only cooperate in it as God unfolds it to you as an ongoing, expanding revelation. And you take step by step walking into it until you see it unfold before you and it becomes a complete fulfillment. The Bible says that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. And so it says here in verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, you can fill in this blank in your notes, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The vision oftentimes brings enlargement. It brings increase. God calls us from something to something else. He calls us from one level to a higher level in Him. So, it's interesting here that it says, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
Well, we're sitting here today, we have lots of families represented, and we've actually are a part of the fulfillment of that promise of blessing that was given to Abraham centuries ago. We're certainly at the end of the earth, and we're, and we're blessed uh, in the inheritance that was promised to Abraham through Jesus Christ. Not only that, but not only are we recipients of that blessing, but we are ministers of that blessing as well. Isaiah 49, verses 1 to 6. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. Now, as we read these verses, I want you to think about of whom are these verses speaking? To whom could these verses be applied? To whom do they refer? And certainly, they refer to the speaker. But that's not the only application, okay? So here's Isaiah. Listen to me, O islands! Pay attention to me, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the mother of from the body of my mother, he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hands he has concealed me. He has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, I have toiled in vain, and I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely the justice due to me is with the Lord, and my reward is with my God. There are times in the vision, and I'll get into more of this next week, but there are times in the midst of what God has called you to be and do when there will be a period of adversity. There will be times of discouragement. There will be times when it seems like nothing is going to happen, like it's all going to fall apart, that it's not going to work. And I can tell you that personally in my life, 2014 was a full year of that. <laughs> I, uh, I really didn't know if I was going to make it. But as I watch God work, everything is coming around full circle. Thank you, Lord. And now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, it is too small. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also make you a light to the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Isaiah, by the very fact that God used him to prophesy these words, was participating in the fulfillment of these words. But Isaiah is not the primary application for these scriptures, And I believe if you were to look in most commentaries, they would say that these verses apply to Jesus. And they certainly do, because he was sent to the house of Israel. 
And there was this point in which it appeared that he had toiled in vain. Because he came into his own, and his own received him not. But they crucified him. And so, Jesus himself went through this process that's revealed in these, in these verses. But it says it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up Israel. Jacob and Israel being the same uh, entity. Because that was an example of another name change. When, God, when Jacob encountered God, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means a prince with God. So, so we see that these verses apply to Isaiah. They could be elements that apply to Israel and Jacob. But the primary application is Jesus Christ. And yet there's a third application of these verses, and I think it's going to surprise you a little bit as we look at this. Let's turn to uh, Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. Now, some of you might not realize, but Saul was actually, his name was changed to Paul, Paul the Apostle. So most of you realize that, but just for some that maybe aren't that familiar with the scriptures, when we say Saul, we're talking about Paul. And it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, how many of you believe that that we as Christians, we as the church, can hear the voice of God. Amen. That God can speak to us. Amen. And, and, and should be speaking to us. And has spoken to us, even at times when we haven't recognized His voice, because when God speaks to us, oftentimes it sounds like our own thoughts. But we'll talk maybe more about that next week, and maybe we can begin to discern the difference between our own thoughts, and the thoughts of God that he puts into our minds and into our spirits. But anyway, it says, as they were ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Now here's what they did. I want to, if you want to look at in your Bible, I'm going to open mine up to Acts 13, right where we were reading. And then I just want to summarize what happened after that was that they, they left Antioch. They were sent out. Barnabas and Saul received a prophetic word. And they were sent by this group uh, and this church in Antioch. And so what they did was they followed the prescription that the gospel should go to the Jew first. And what they did was they went from synagogue to synagogue preaching the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And if you want to look in your Bibles at verse Acts 13, verse 46. Oh, I want to mention one thing. Um, 
as they were sent out, it doesn't actually talk about exactly how this happened, but it is in Acts 13, in this initial sending forth from Antioch, that Paul's name was changed, well, Saul's name was changed from Saul to Paul, okay? And I, and I, and I want to point that out. It will be important here in a minute. And it says here in verse 46, And Paul and Barnabas spoke, spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, you Jews, you house of Israel. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For thus the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you should bring my salvation to the end of the earth. So in your third blank there, the first one being Isaiah, the second application being Jesus, the third application is Paul and Barnabas. And they went out to the synagogues and they preached the gospel. And the Jews, time after time, rejected the word of the Lord that was being spoken. And so what happened was, hundreds of years before, a prophetic word that was given to Isaiah the prophet came and the time capsule for that word was opened up and was spoken in the church in Antioch and then received and acted upon a few weeks or months later in the life of Paul and Barnabas. That word spoken by Isaiah came to pass in the life of Paul and Barnabas. And it was ascending forth. It was an initiating of Paul as an apostle. Because what it says in Acts 13.1, it says there were prophets and teachers. And it names them. There's no mention of apostles in that group. And yet at that time, you see, that word spoken was what, that is written there in Acts, uh, of, what is it, verse um, verse 2, that word was just a summation. And even, even the part that we read here in Acts 47 is probably just a part of that word. Nevertheless, whether it was or not, the fact is, is that they were prophesied over in the church that was in Antioch. Paul was sent forth. His apostolic mission began and his name was changed from Saul to Paul. So the vision brought a transition. It brought a change. And, it, and, and God was making him what He had called him to be. He was changing Paul on the inside and equipping him for an enlargement of ministry because it was too small a thing that Paul and Barnabas should go to the house of Israel. They were also called then to go to the nations that the salvation of the Lord would come to the ends of the earth. Fairbanks, Alaska. So what happened in effect was Paul and Barnabas stepped in to their prophetic destiny. The one that they had been called to. The one that was mentioned centuries before by Isaiah. There is nothing like stepping into God's prophetic word for your life. 
There's nothing like stepping into the destiny for which God has called you. And even, even as wonderful as that is, stepping into destiny as a corporate body, a church, sensing God's Spirit calling you and speaking to you and giving you vision for your call and for your destiny and for the purpose that He has put you in with another group of people because they sent them out, Paul and Barnabas. It was a partnership. It was a picture of partnership. And that's what we're to have. We're to be a partnership together in the purpose and destiny that God has for us. You can imagine the day on the day of Pentecost when, when they waited in the upper room and suddenly the Spirit of God was poured out on 120 individuals and suddenly they spoke with tongues and, and, and spread out all over the, in, outside the, the doors of which they were gathered. And people heard this and they said, what is the meaning of all this? And Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What a sense of destiny and purpose. When you begin to see the vision that God has for you, when we begin to see the vision of what God has for Friends Church, we will unite. And we will abandon things that would hinder us. We'll we'll let go of things that would trip us up and cause us to slow down or anything of that nature. And and so here's here's what I want to tell you, okay? This is the pivotal part of this message. I wrote it down so I wouldn't uh, misspeak. 25 years ago, there was a prayer group called the Strike Force that met in Fairbanks. It was comprised of 15 leaders from various churches from North Pole and Fairbanks. The original vision for Friends Church was prophetically conceived in that prayer group. We felt that Fairbanks needed a church and that we were to start a church modeled after the church in Antioch described here in Acts 13, 1-3. In fact, Friends Church was originally called Antioch Assembly. Just as Isaiah prophesied a word many years before it was released in the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, so the prophetic word spoken 25 years ago is being released over us. We are stepping into the fulfillment of that word. We are stepping into our divine destiny as a church. And so if Friends Church's pattern is to be patterned after the church in Antioch, what does that look like? I think there's in, in your notes there, it has seven primary characteristics of the Antioch model. The first one is that they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. The first priority is ministering unto the Lord. And that's kind of an odd phrase. What does that really mean? Um, what it doesn't mean is the normal 
aspects of prayer which, you know, have to do with petitioning and, and something that's sort of needs-driven, okay? It's, it's more, it more, it has more to do with corporate worship and, and time in God's presence. And, and then individually, fellowship and communion and intimacy with God. It reminds me of, of Revelation 3.20 where it says, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. It's a, it's a fellowshipping with God, not for, not for needs or purposes, but simply enjoying God's presence. It's a time where some people understand this phrase, soaking. It's, it's we need the presence of God, both individually as we go to God in prayer and then corporately as we come into this place. We've been praying, God, God, we need your presence in our midst. Because when you have the presence of God, you have the strength of God. You have the love of God flowing through you. You have unity. You have vision. You have the Word of the Lord. All of these things are the result of fellowshipping with Him. And I know that, that this is maybe sort of uncommon ground for, for many of you, but I want to tell you that it totally exists and that God, it is God's will for you and you can develop that kind of relationship with Him. And we will, we will, we will talk about that in days to come. Secondly, it says, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said they were ministering to the Lord and out of that ministry, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. So friends, church, we need to be a church where we are hearing the voice of God. Where we are hearing, we are tuned in, we're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit says to us. One interesting aspect of the church there was that it said they had prophets and teachers. And um, that's an interesting combination because what it, what, it, what it says to me is there was a focus on the written word, which is the focus of the teacher, and the, and the spoken word by the Holy Spirit, which is more the prophetic. So they had the rhema of God, and they had the logos of God, two words that, that talk about the word of God, the way it comes to us. And, and that should be an ongoing experience with every one of us. We need to, we need to fill our minds. We need, to be, we need radical reprogramming of our natural, carnal, religious, earthbound mindsets to this word. And we need to be hearing God's voice. So in Antioch, they, were, they had both, and they were hearing what the Holy Spirit said. Third, it says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. What they were doing was they were identifying callings. We all have a calling in God. And gifts and ministries. There was in that prophetic word an apostolic essence to it. They may not have used the word apostle, but there was a sending forth and there was an identification that these men were going to be mobile ministries and they were going to be thrust out 
They were going to be blessing the nations. They were sent to bring the blessing of Abraham to the nations. And so they were identified as such. And then it says, For the work to which I have called them. There are spheres, there are areas of ministry. We do not all have the same area of ministry. Some people are called to be up here and speak. That is a sphere of ministry. Others have more of a marketplace sphere of ministry. Some have a one-room hidden place, and that's their secret place life with God. That's their sphere, but it affects everything else. So there are different spheres, there are different applications for the ministries and the callings that we have. Fifth, it says, when they had fasted and prayed. When they had fasted and prayed. I don't talk too much about fasting, but I think what they were referring to here is a fasting, which we normally think of as fasting from food. However, I was talking to Sherry Wheeler earlier this week, and I was saying, you know, there are other kinds of fasting, and and I don't want to get into too much here, but I think that there are probably people in here who need to fast Call of Duty. You know what I'm talking about. Video games. They need to fast Facebook. They need to fast movies and TV. And some people spend more time working out on their bodies than they do developing their spiritual life. So there needs to be some fasting going on. Okay? Thank you, Mauricio. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But the thing of it was they fasted and prayed. And so prayer is an integral part. Not only ministering to the Lord in that sense of prayer, but also prayer, a spiritual dimension in which we, we, we request things from God. We receive answered prayer. We take our needs. We take our vision. We take who we are, what we are. We ask God, show me who I am in you. God, what is my name? Who am I to you? What have you called me to do? All of these are elements of prayer. Spiritual warfare is an element of prayer. There are times for that. And, and so they were people of prayer, and there was such an intensity of prayer that they added fasting to it. That it was important. That they were searchers of God. They were, they were desiring to know the mysteries of God's kingdom and of His plan and of His purposes for each one. And out of that desire, out of that hunger, out of that desperation for God that they might know His calling and His Word would come upon Him, He spoke to them. And He sent them forth. And it says, They laid their hands on them. What that has to do is it it is a fundamental uh, 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 foundation of the the New Testament covenant. And, and And it has to do with the ordination. In other words, the recognition of ministry. And laying on of hands is the blessing upon that ministry. And also impartation of gifts in that will equip that person or those people for the ministry to which God has called them. And then seven, each one of these could be a whole message in itself. But number seven, they sent them out. They sent them away. 
There's outflow. There is receiving blessing and giving blessing. There are, it is a mission-sending church. It is not like the Dead Sea. Water flows in and nothing flows out. And so it is dead. But it's more like the Sea of Galilee. Water flows in and water flows out and it's teeming with life. Thank you, Lord. Now, one thing about this church as well, and I think it's an important element in this, not mentioned in the seven characteristics, but the original vision for Friends Church was that it was to be an elder-based team ministry modeled after this church in Antioch. I coached soccer for, I don't know, 12 or so years, and I mean really intently, like four things a week, practices and games most, most weeks, and only four weeks a year off, two weeks in the spring and two weeks in the fall. And so for, for at least 10 of those years, I had that schedule. And uh, when I, if I were to take a team and... and uh, you know, a new team in the spring and there were a lot of new players, then I would have to look at those players and, and begin to determine each one of their, uh, those players' abilities and their talents, like how fast they were, how well they handled the ball, um, different things. Were they good at defense? Were they terrible at defense, but they were great strikers, great scorers, you know? Could they score? Were they aggressive? Uh, how much endurance did they have? Could they run in the midfield all the way back and all the way forward through the whole game? Or were they, or were they you know, more like sprinters? So I had to put them up in the front or in the back. And, and what I'm trying to get across to you is that I had to start with the players, understand their abilities, and then determine the structure. The strategy that I used, the formation that I used on the field was determined by who was sent to me, who was supposed to be on my team. And it's the same way in the church. Sometimes what we do is we just take a structure that has worked for somebody else or somewhere else and we try to impose it upon where we are. And I'm not saying just Friends Church, any church. You start a church, you... You, you have to pick out, you know, you, you're, you're like a, uh, picking out a model to, to, to utilize. And, and the fact is, is that one size does not fit all. In fact, it doesn't fit very well at all. And the scriptures teach, the scriptures show a, a, there is so much variety that is, that is possible. That's why it's not all, you know, rigidly defined, the structure that you're going to have. But I want to tell you that I'll just make this statement. I don't think I'm going to make it in second service, but um, the scriptures do not forbid a senior pastor model where that one single person speaks every Sunday and it's all pretty much command and control and so forth. It doesn't forbid that, but it doesn't support that either. In fact, in fact, what is supported is team-based elder ministry. And you just have to research that on your own, Okay. But I have, and that's what it shows. And the thing of it is, here's, I just want to talk about some of the advantages. I'm really not saying this to, to say that 
I have reasoned this out in there, and therefore this is what we should do. I'm saying that this is what I believe was revealed that we should do. Okay? And so, but I do want to talk about some of the advantages. Okay? To me, if you have one speaker 52 weeks a year, or even more, Sunday, Wednesday, what you are getting is, it's like, you think about the five food groups, okay? Let's say a person is extremely skillful in one dish, and you get that same dish every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Maybe I'm really good at cooking asparagus just right. And that's what you get, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Every meal. And why is that? Because, because that's, who, that's who I am. That's what God's called me to be. That's, that's the emphasis. That's my perspective. But that's why God called a five, what we call a five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so that you get, you get the full five, five food groups into your diet. And that produces a healthy body. Now, now the downside of the way we're doing it right at the moment, because we primarily have me and Eric and Brian, the downside is that some people like Brian more than me, and I, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. So, but it's like, it's like, I, I sometimes explain it this way. Whatever your calling is, you're called to be an evangelist, it's like you have these, you have these yellow tinted sunglasses, and everything looks yellow to you. And so all the words that come out and all the things that you value have to do with, hey, we got to preach the gospel, we got to win souls, we got to, you know, it's all evangelistic. So whatever, if I talked about families, it wouldn't be that great, it would be okay. Like, my, I, I'm not very good at talking about families. Like, for example, um, not, not that it has to do with families, but last week, Brian preached a message that's absolutely essential. Somebody has to say what he said. It was awesome. It was, it was very... But I thought to myself, you know, I would never preach that. It just doesn't... I mean, I got, I got a thousand messages before I get to that one. <laughs> but I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that, hey, that's what we need and that's what we got. Here's another cool advantage that I thought of. You know, here, here's the thing. I'm going to preach this Sunday and next Sunday, okay? And then Eric's, I think, going to preach a couple of weeks, and then I'm back on with something that is really hot for me. And by the way, this was Eric's idea, that, that we would, as a group, take on the Lord's Prayer, okay? wasn't my idea. It was his idea. But, but as we looked at it, there was this part about... Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was like, oh, I want that. Yes, that I can do. That, and so I was on board. Normally I'm not on board for that stuff because I, I, I don't even see myself in it. But, but when I do, it's like, yes, let's do that. So, but here's the deal. So if you, if you have to preach every week, you get one week to prepare. One week to download, one week to hear God, one week to put it together. And after a while, a couple things happen. One, there's a point where, for me anyway, I get kind of bored hearing one person all the time. Boring, even myself, okay? So, so that's part of it. But here's the cool part. Here's the cool part. 
I get, to, I get a couple of weeks, I get a month, in fact, almost, to prepare for that message. Do you think that that message is going to be better prepared, better nourished in my heart and soul, better quality and preparation than a one week, every week thing? I can guarantee it. Absolutely. So you're getting a quality thing. And so in this case for right now, we have, you know, we have three speakers. And so Eric is bringing the meat and I'm bringing the mashed potatoes and gravy and Brian's bringing the veggie tails. I had to throw that in there. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> all right, all right. Don't, don't, don't take the football, run down the, down the end zone, score a touchdown, grab the trophy, run out of the, out of the stadium, okay? I'm, I'm speaking now. Um, I was also thinking about uh, another analogy, and that would be football. And I had to call Brian and get some research on this. And he informed me, you know, I knew they had, I knew they had more than one coach in football. And, and then I discovered they have offensive, defensive, you know, uh, coordinators, coaches, coach for the quarterback, coach for the linebacker, coach for the receiver, coach for the secondary, coach for special teams. I mean, wow. I was like, wow, all those coaches? Yes. Because all those those entities, those parts of that game require and are benefited by special coaches. And that's what we are up here. We are coaches. We're coaching you. You are the players. We're players too, but you are the team. You are not spectators. You are not consumers. You are not laymen. You're ministers of the gospel. When you get on a plane and somebody asks you, what do you do? You can say, oh, I'm in full-time ministry. What time of the day is the anointing not supposed to be on you? Okay? That's what you are. You're a priest under God. My job here at Friends Church is the same as when I was head coach for the Arctic Knights Soccer Club. I asked the Lord, I might have shared this before, but I asked the Lord when I first started coaching, I said, because I had kids who came from unsaved, un, didn't know the Lord, and then half the team was from Christian homes, and I was like, uh, what am I doing here? Because if I'm training these guys to run up and down a field with a football or with a soccer ball, uh, that's kind of a waste of time in my mind. And so the Lord, so I was asking God, what is my message? What is my message for these young men? I mean, they're 10, 11 years old, and I coached them all the way up to 19. And so this is what he said to me. He said, tell them and show them they're valuable. And uh, I think that's I think that's what we're here for. And we're here to affirm and encourage and train and develop our players. And help them, help them know that they are valuable to God. And that they have a purpose. And that God has a plan for, them, for their lives. And He has gifted them. And in, it, it deposited within them 
talents and abilities by His Spirit, they have come. And now, even though many of you do not have a clue about what I'm talking about, I guarantee you that I am speaking God's written Word and His prophetic Word that you do have a significant purpose to fulfill in His kingdom. And, and we are here to coach you, to train you, to help you, to equip you to fulfill that calling and ministry. I want you to know, I want you to know this. This, th- what I'm describing is, is going on right now in, the, in, our, in our staff relationships. Okay, and and here's here's the beauty of it. I can honestly stand up here and say to you, without any equivocation, that for example, let me just pick out two guys, Eric and Brian. I want them to be, and they are main speakers here at Friends Church, and I can honestly say that I really. I want to absolutely maximize them to the greatest and highest degree. And, and hopefully they will far excel anything that I could be or do. Okay? That, and, and God is creating this atmosphere where we defer to one another, where we prefer one over ourselves. And it's the most fantastic thing I have ever seen or experienced in my life in God. And it's just begun just a few months ago. It just started to happen. And it is so beautiful and so precious. And I love those guys. I totally love them. Dave Chesser is just the most fantastic blessing to us here at Friends Church. And, and all of them, Kathy, Stacy, and Angela, and Elkie, and... I mean, it's just fantastic what God has begun. And whatever is in that core creates, I believe, uh, uh, significance and, and, and it will spread out and, and has spread out. And I know many of you are experiencing this whole um, new ethos as well. And so let me finish by saying the vision mission statement here for Friends Church I I wrote this out in less than one minute. It just, bang. And I didn't have to change any of it. Calling the church to know God, to know each other, and to equip the saints to make Him known. And And the clarity to amplified version is to call the church into a meaningful and intimate relationship with God and with each other. Secondly, to establish an elder based church with a team ministry template that incorporates nurturing, edifying, coaching, and training the saints for works of service inside and outside the local church. You know, what we have here today, what this is, this is like, this is, this is like in football, this is like a little halftime where we pull the, the team into the locker room. This isn't the game. This is, this is our little halftime talk where we, you know, we focus, we get our, our focus back. No matter what's happening in the first half, we are going to win this game in the second half. And in a sense, we are in that transitional point. And I'm standing here today as one of the coaches, and I'm saying, yes, 
we do we have been through something and we're going into something new the game's not over you're the players and we're here to bless you help you coach you train you and equip you that we can win amen all right um, I'm sorry, I should have called you guys up earlier. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, Lord, we thank you for, for what you're doing, God. I pray that each person in this building, God, will begin to sense by you that it won't be me speaking, but it will be you speaking into their hearts. And God, you will inspire and you will cause us to be lifted up into what you are doing, Lord, that we could all rejoice in your presence and sense that purpose and plan that you have for us and that, God, we would fulfill it and we would accomplish all that you intend for us in Jesus' name. Thank you.
front if you need some prayer or encouragement or any questions we will help you out you guys have a great week